Sports is recorded in Harrisonburg, Virginia, in the heart of the Shenandoah Valley. Starring Dave. Surprising little fun fact, King Griffey Jr. was the first number one overall draft pick to go into the Hall of Fame. Chris. ALCS MVP for the Houston Astros. Gary Sanchez. Brad. You're a professional. Act like you've gotten criticism before because obviously you have. And Joe. Yeah, Chris Davis is awful. And now, 4D Sports. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of 4D Sports. And I've got Dave and Brad with me on the phone. And guys, we are now with, a, oh, I think it's a little over two weeks left in the regular season for the Valley Baseball League. Uh, we tried to have the All-Star game yesterday. Uh, Brad and I were there for about two innings before we we realized what was going to happen. We went ahead and ducked out before the storm came in and uh, got some dinner. Uh, but we had seen the home run derby, uh, which Tyler Johnson of Strasburg won in the second round with four homers. Uh, and speaking of Strasburg, they are your league leaders as we enter All-Star Weekend. Uh, they're 16-6. and six. They've won nine of their last ten. Woodstock, they sit at 12-11. and 11. They're second in the north, four and a half behind the Express. Newmarket is 11-14, and 14. and if the season ended today... Percival in the playoffs. They are nine and fourteen. Winchester is nine and fifteen. Just a half game behind them for that last playoff spot. Front Royals seven and eighteen. They've only won one of their last ten. They are going in the wrong direction here, but still have time to turn it around if they can turn it around soon. In the South, which is pretty much loaded, uh, Waynesboro fifteen and eight. They lead the South by a half game over Charlottesville, who's fourteen and eight. Harrisonburg and Covington are 12 and 11, three out of first, and Stanton, four out of first, 11 and 12, just a game behind Harrisonburg and Covington as they try to fit into that last playoff race as well. Covington and Stanton, uh, the teams in the South that are not doing well, Covington has lost three of their last 10, Stanton's lost, or excuse me, Covington has lost seven of their last 10, and Stanton has lost eight of their last 10. Waynesboro, Charlottesville, and Harrisonburg all seven and three in their last 10. Guys, we tried to get up to Strasburg on Friday night. That got rained out. Um, as I mentioned, Brad and I tried to go Sunday. Got rained out. It was a theme last summer. It's a theme again this summer. Weather playing a factor. It'll be interesting to see uh, how the war of attrition goes here in the last few weeks with going to have to be a lot of double headers. Uh, what do you think, Dave? Yeah, I mean, it'd be great if the Valley could really do something about this rain. <laughs> <'Cause it's> <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, what are you gonna do? Um, they tried to do to make their little makeup day uh, during the week. They've been burning through them, like you said. They're probably gonna have to do some double hitters coming up. Uh, you know, it had its effect last year all the way through the playoffs. It affected the playoffs and the championships. So it'll be interesting. Uh, hopefully, we get some dry weather coming up here soon. Yeah, Brad, what do you think? Well, I mean, like Dave said, you know, they got to do something. They had a whole year to prepare from last year's. Fiasco. Yeah, why are there they not? should have built a dome or No something. domes. <laughs> no, but, um, yeah, it's crazy. And, like, you know, I know that they've got these doubleheaders and stuff scheduled, but, you know, the problem with that is a lot of those are probably going to get rained out, too. <laughs> I was going to say. So it like, yeah. that kind of really, really messes things up. Triple A. And <laughs> I'm pretty sure that happened last year, too. So, I mean, 
it's great, yeah, to try to get in double headers. I always like to get, you know, two games in one night. That's always fun to watch. But, you know, with the problem with the rain this year and last year, it's you're looking at it, you might not be able to fit in those double headers either. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, we should also mention in case people struggle with sarcasm, we are joking about saying the Valley League needs to do more about these rainouts. Um, based on a comment on social media last year from someone saying complaining that the Valley League has too many rainouts. I don't know what the person wanted them to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, the only other thing I could think of would be to just schedule double headers at the beginning of the season and try to create more off days. Uh, but I, I don't know how other than that, but then you're running into, you know, potentially wearing people out earlier in the year. So it's, it's kind of a catch 22 situation uh, if you're the Valley League and really all you can hope for is that the weather cooperates here down the stretch but I, I did want to mention uh, Brad I know you and I were down there for the all-star weekend it was kind of a bummer that it didn't get to be played out in its full entirety because the game was going to be on ESPNU then there was some issues so it got put on tape delay uh, and then you know, I, I don't know what they're going to do now since the game wasn't played in full. I don't know if they'll show the part that was played on ESPNU, um, but we'll just have to see what happens there. But you and I were watching on Facebook Live before they decided to call it the graphics and the uh, Facebook Live video of the game that was going on was really cool. Yeah, they had all the camera angles, uh, camera angles provided by... Um... I think JMU's baseball facilities have those cameras set up already. And then um, I guess it was ESPNU's crew that was there uh, also filming. They might have been able to use some of that too. But I thought it looked pretty nice. Um, you know, you got all the different angles and some nice, you know, zoomed in shots of the players and some of the action. And, you know, you got some replays then too off of that. So that was, that was kind of cool to be able to see at a Valley League game. Yeah, and, um, you know, I know Dave was doing other stuff with family. He couldn't make it. But, um, you know, we're looking forward to trying to get out to some Valley League games this week, hopefully at some point, and be able to get some interviews for you and throw those on there. Trying to connect with George Loss later in the week. Unfortunately, I won't be able to get the guy's reaction this week to uh, the interview questions. But um, because we're recording this on Monday, I'm going to try to get Coach Loss tomorrow and then post it tomorrow, but we'll have to see what happens there. Um, guys, let's talk quickly about a couple things in Major League Baseball. So over the weekend, uh, the Houston Astros and Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim brought back the old collision at the plate. Um, Jonathan Lucroy, the victim, as he got just blindsided. And uh, would have been a 15-yard penalty and an ejection in college football. Um, but in Major League Baseball, uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see if suspensions are coming. As far as I know, no suspension was announced as of the time of recording here Monday night. But, uh, guys, I don't know how you defend the runner in that situation. It looked pretty blatant that he was targeting Lucroy. He even appeared to be dodging toward Lucroy as Lucroy moved in front of the plate. Dave. Oh yeah, it, the camera angle was perfect. You can see Luke or um, Resnick the whole way down the line. It's not focused on anything but Jonathan Lucroy. 
and Luke Roy's standing well in front of the plate, doesn't have the ball, and he just missiles himself right into him. I mean, it's pretty clear as day uh, what his intentions were, and I don't see how pinches didn't clear, and uh, he wasn't called out, and uh, that wasn't a lot uglier than it was. Brad? Yeah, I mean, you you took my line. I was going to say that it, that's 15 yards of an ejection for sure. Um, definitely targeting. He launched himself at him. <laughs> yeah. He ducked down into it. And like Dave said, he's out in front of the plate, out of the base path to be able to touch home. I mean, hook slide if you have to. I don't I don't see what would have been so hard about getting safe on that play without doing that. But no, he went he went right to him, kind of dodged into him and just barreled down and dove right into him. As if he were making a football tackle that, you know, back in the nineties when you could take someone's head off. I was gonna say, yeah, it's not even legal in football now. Um, what he did. I don't think it's legal in any sport to do what he did. Um, I, again, I, I agree with you, Dave. I don't know how the benches didn't clear. When we see benches clear for you know home run trots, and that doesn't cause a bench clearing brawl, I, I get confused because that's way more threatening to a teammate than your pitcher's ego being hurt by Max Muncy watching the ball go into the ocean. Or, you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, deep trick, uh, walking around the bases if you're a Pirates fan. Right. Yeah, I mean, player safety, I, I feel like, you know, you got to have your catchers back there. I, I feel like, the, uh, um, sorry, the Angels should have been a little bit more, you know, I don't know, involved in that. Well, we talked about the home run derby a little bit last week when they announced the participants, uh, but... I want to pick up a conversation the three of us were having uh, at dinner in Strasburg on the rainout night. Um, we were coming up with ideas to make All-Star Weekend more exciting, um, and you're going to notice none of them involve All-Star Game. Um, I don't even know if I would play the game. Um, but uh, I think I can't remember who said it first, if it was Dave or Brad, but I know Brad and I have had this conversation as well. Um, but the outfielders going from the outfield and trying to hit a trash can at home plate. Yeah. I mean, that's something we did in some like, uh, you know, like training camps that you go to use work on your accuracy. You try to, you know, you're trying to throw out a person, a catcher at home. Well, have them not be able to cross a certain line in the outfield or go from varying distances backing up and see who can get it in a trash can. And you know what? Fewer hops, more points. Yeah, what do you think, Dave? Yeah, I love that idea. Um, that's some of the most exciting plays in baseball, I think, uh, is the, when somebody guns somebody from the outfield. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it'd be cool to see. It'd be cool to see uh, the accuracy. I know we threw out a bunch of other things, uh, timing people around the bases for speed, uh, pitcher drills. I think there's a lot of different ways you could spin it to uh, – break it up and have some more different activities for the baseball weekend. I want you to go bunning, into the one competitions. No bunning. Yes. I'm, <laughs> dude, it, you got to be able to, you got to have like different zone oh, no, areas. We did. And we as did, you get yeah. closer to the line, those are worth more points. But once you go foul, you get zero points. Yeah. We closer to the line was more points. And then the longer distance was more points too, but it has to be a bunt. You can't like push it, but you don't want it to go too far either because Oh yeah, then, then you're, you're basically out. just hitting it. Whatever. 
Um, but I want Dave to go into specifics on the one pitcher drill that we had that I thought was gold. Talking about like a rotation drill? Yeah. Yeah, have yourself in, rig up some little uh, big circle targets on it that you have to throw it so fast, knock them out. Whoever knocks down the, the most targets and the fewest pitches wins. Um, we were talking, I don't think you could really have a miles per hour drill because then that that would be the one where somebody would blow their arm out. <laughs> somebody <laughs> would get hurt and that would cancel our yeah. fun. Yeah. We can, maybe now you can have a, uh, you can put a little dummy back there and they can just, you know, run through the catcher and see who takes out the catcher the hardest. Marissick <laughs> <laughs> be all about it. Yeah, Marissick's going to win. Um, yeah, I think these are all great ideas. I think Major League Baseball should pick up all of these ideas. Um, I love it personally. Uh, I think that would make All-Star Weekend more exciting. You already have the Home Run Derby, which is fine. I I, I don't like the bracket format for the Home Run Derby, but whatever. Um, and yeah, the All-Star Game has just lost. It's lost me. I, I wish it hasn't. I wish it didn't, but it's hard to take it seriously when I'm when you're interviewing players in the middle of the game. I don't want that. I don't need that. I, I've never heard anything in the middle of those interviews that I've been like, oh, wow, that was a really good interview. I'm glad I listened to that. Or that wasn't a complete waste of my time. Hasn't crossed my mind. Yeah, the All-Star game is still enjoyable for me, but I get what you're talking about. Uh, the more they try to make it, I don't know what you could call it. I guess they're trying to be fan service. Yeah, I mean, they're kind of, kind of things, but it's just not necessary. Yeah, the way they try to pitch it is like it's all access. And I'm like, well, give me less of it. Brad, what do you think about the interviews in the on-deck circle and when the outfielders are in the field and stuff? I feel like as a player, you're paying attention, but it's got to be somewhat distracting to you. You know, because your full attention is not on what's going on. So you may forget the pitch count or how many outs there are or, you know, whatever kind of strategy you're supposed to be implementing for that hitter. You never know. You never I don't know. know. I, I just, I feel like if you want to interview someone, interview them after they've been taken out. Yeah. I don't even really care if I get that. Again, and maybe if the game was more like a game, and maybe if the players cared a little bit, like I don't, I'm not saying take it back to well, how I it think- was. When, I don't know. I think the no. baseball one is the one where they care the most out of all the sports. Oh, yeah, but they don't. I would agree. Football is unwatchable. Football is unwatchable. Yeah, football and basketball are terrible. Yeah, I agree. I would just do skills competitions in both of those sports. But I, I think maybe the All-Star game is beyond us. I think the athletes have become so focused on making money, which, you know, that's their prerogative. If somebody's going to pay them millions of dollars, I'm not going to blame them for taking it. But... I think it's become more about that and less about, you know, the love of the game. And, you know, I want to beat these other guys. I don't think it's that way because in baseball, you've got guys. It's an ego thing. The pitchers are up there thinking, I don't want to get shown up here on national TV doing my job. So I'm going to strike this guy out. And the batters up there saying, I want to do really good because of ego thing. I don't know. It's not even necessarily that your team has potential to get home field advantage in the world series, how much of an ego can hitters have if they're striking out 250 times a 
season or whatever, though. As Chris Davis, he still thinks he should be paid as much as he's getting paid. If well, that's not an ego, I don't know what is. Okay, well, that's called dementia or mental illness or something. I mean, I, that's <laughs> not... That's called living in Narnia, not in reality. I don't... No. I'm telling you, dude, that's exactly what it is. Chris Davis isn't even playing best, every day anymore. You're going to get how your best competition <laughs> in all-star performances in the sport of baseball. Speaking of... Yeah, maybe. Do you have anything else on the all-star game before I sidetrack us here, Dave? I think that sums it up. All right. Do you, do you think the players are trying? Do you think they care? I think a good majority of them do, especially the ones that are there for the first time. Uh, and then you got people like, I'll throw Anthony Rendon under the bus, who basically says, hey, thank you. I'd rather have the weekend off. Yeah, he did, didn't he? Oh, well. But, speaking, but at least she's man enough to say, you know what, I'm not going to go. Yeah, rather than yeah. saying I have a tweaked back or, you know, I stubbed my toe in the bathtub or whatever. Well, I'm going to tear those people down a little bit more and say those are the same kind of people that would also definitely not show up to represent their team in the World Baseball Classic or something like Love that. Love it. Yeah, Mike Trout. Um, yeah, World Baseball Classic. Mike Trout better be there next time. Yeah, um, represent your yeah, country and show some pride in that, like. It would be really weird if the best players in baseball like had the same amount of pride that our women's national team had going out there winning the women's World Cup. <laughs> uh, and I realize, you know, Team USA won last time, but that wasn't even our best players. I, I think that's the most frustrating thing. We barely won that thing, and we were kind of underdogs going against the Dominican Republic because we don't have our best players. But that's the thing. If that's the way players are going to be, I don't want the best players. I want the guys who want, uh, who want to be there. As I said, the guys we had, you could tell he definitely learned it. Yeah, Jones, a lot of effort into. Captain America, and Christian Yelich. That was kind of his coming out party. Um, Nolan Arenado had a horrible, horrible World Baseball Classic, if I'm remembering correctly. And I was, uh, if you would have told me Nolan Arenado is going to basically be over the entire tournament, I would have been like, oh, okay, so we're going to be one and done, or we're not, we're not going to get out of the group stage, is what you're telling me. Um, that was kind of when Bregman came on the scene, too, and mm-hmm. did well. Yeah, it was a that was a fun Your world favorite? baseball classic. When is the next one? I don't even remember. I mean, are we coming up? Is that next year? That'd be pretty close. I'm yeah, pretty sure it's every four years, isn't it? So yeah, but it was that two or three years still, ago. Uh, oh, it might have been three. Be Let's hope it's next year. It's um, been three. But you mentioned Chris Davis, Brad, and he's not even playing all the time anymore. In fact, he sits more than he plays now. And I guess we're horrible. We're a bad baseball team, but I love that Brandon Hyde has the courage to just say, you know what? I know I don't want to watch this, and I'm sure the fans are tired of watching it, so we're not going to. We're going to lose with or without you in the lineup. At least I'm going to see what this other person can do. I I enjoy that, and I know we beat the Blue Jays, and I can't remember who the other team we beat before the Blue Jays was now, but we we won back-to-back series. I think maybe for the first time this year. So that was cool. Um, but we did it without Chris Davis in the lineup most of those games, and I love it. Yeah, it's interesting to see how the team kind of, you know, gets a couple stretches of games here and there and puts up a bunch of runs and beats beats the brains out of one of these teams. And then you look at the record and you're like, okay, now they're still doing poopy. But um, <laughs> I was going to say, you know, it's just it's one thing, you know, it's one of these things you're not like the other. 
And uh, <laughs> it's just – it's funny to see that sometimes. But, yeah, I agree. I definitely want to see the coach put in someone else to see what they can do. And, you know, hopefully that will light a spark under Chris Davis when he does get to play. If, oh, oh, it's not fun sitting the bench. Never. It's like, well, if it's not fun, then do better. Now, I guess it's two of the last three series we've won because we lost to the Rays. We lost two out of three of the Rays. But, um, yeah, I mean, to there was a stretch where we had won three of the last four games that we had played in. And, I mean, that's still the case if you look at the last four. But, um, And, you know, somebody put on Twitter, you know, the Orioles have won three out of their last four and only sit 30 games out of first, you know, and I you know, jokingly retweeted on 40 sports, you know, the rebuild was a success. Um, obviously we've got a long way to go in the rebuild, but I think, um, it's just, it's fans need to be patient. I do like that. The fans are getting excited about the draft picks. No one is panicking. That is logical. I mean, you see some people, you know, freak out about other stuff, but you know, the people already, you know, complaining that we might trade Trey Mancini. I just, when do you think this team is going to be good? I guess is my question, because I'm thinking we're looking four years and I don't know if I want Trey Mancini on the team in four Dude, years. It's going to be longer than four years. We've seen this before and I know they're saying, oh, well, we're modeling it after ones that have been successful. Yeah, but this is different. Recently, These are new people. Different times. You're you're always taking a risk in the draft. You never know if they're going to pan out or not. No, I agree there, but these are different people. You can't hold the people here now accountable for the dumb things that people did in the past. Well, and once we get there, though, it's a whole other story of whether or not they can be competitive with those guys because, like, in the instance of 2012 through, what, 2017 or whatever, 2016, where we were somewhat competitive – uh, we never really could, you know, get that deep into the playoffs. So, oh, we went to the ALCS in 2014. That's pretty deep. There's only one more stage to go. Yeah, but still. And 2012, 2012 was a goofball troop. When you look at that roster, that team had no business even making the playoffs. So that was a thing of wonder. I mean, that was magical. Yeah, because we hadn't been in a while, and that was cool. But then after a few years of getting there, you kind of want to get further. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess what like, I'm you saying you want to win is, a World Series. Sure, I want to win a World a Series. Rebuild, you want to be a contender for a World Series at some point. Yeah, but I'm what I'm saying is I think if you're patient, you know, I'm not saying four years oh, of World well, how Series. How long was the rebuild before that? Okay, well, that's what I'm, I just got done saying. You can't hold these people accountable for the chuckleheads we had before. Yeah, but the people, the chuckleheads at the beginning of that rebuild aren't the same ones we had at the midpoint or the end of that. So I'm not saying these guys are necessarily doing the right thing. We won't know until it pans out. Well, I mean, this guy had a lot of success in Houston and St. Louis, so I'm going to go ahead and assume that it wasn't dumb luck. With other staff, he's not the only person who ran that. Okay, well, he brought a lot of scouts over. I'm going to go ahead and assume that it wasn't dumb luck that he figured it out. We'll see. But, I mean, here are some of the names on this team, Brad from 2012 that you wanted to see be better. I remember him. Robert Andino. Yeah. Uh, Wilson Betamete. Mm-hmm. Wei-Yin Chen. Mm-hmm. Luis Exposito. Yeah, I remember all these people. Ryan Flaherty. 
Well, okay, yeah. best player to ever wear number three. Mm. Lou That's Ford. Right, we're calling out Babe Ruth. <laughs> Lou Ford. Lou You're forgetting some of the better ones. Okay, but I'm saying some of these guys were on playoff rosters. Dude, some of the guys on playoff rosters are on World Series winning teams are garbage. Mark Reynolds was a starter for this team. Mark Reynolds was a starter for this team. Mark Reynolds went to the World Series with the Indians. Yeah, not because of Mark Reynolds. He had a good year. Nate McClough. Nate McClough was doing really good for the Orioles. He didn't fall off the wagon until he went to the Nats. Pedro Strope was on this team. Yeah, Pedro Strope did good for the Cubs. Matt Wieters was supposed to be. Yeah, Matt Wieters. All of our bad problems. Matt Wieters, bad. Do not like him. Indy Chavez. You're forgetting about JJ Hardy. Well, JJ Hardy was a gift to Baltimore for all the suffering. In fact, I think J.J. Hardy was the good luck charm that got this team into the playoffs those two years. You're also forgetting about Delman Young. Delman Young was not on the 2012 team. Well, when was he on it? 2014? Yeah, he was on the 2014 team. He had the best hit uh, in my lifetime for the franchise. Uh, But yeah. I mean, I guess what I'm trying to tell you, Brad, is Sometimes you have to look at the players that they had and you have to be like, wow, how did Buck Showalter get this team into a playoff? That's great, but the players that we had in 2016, you would say our league's better. 2016, uh, I would say even last year. Yeah, I would say last year was the most disappointing. 2016 was pretty sad because we choked. Um and not re-signing Nelson Cruz was bad. Um, that was a bad decision by Dan Duquette. But Dan Duquette's not here anymore. So, again, I think you just got to kind of hope the new guys have it figured out a little bit and they'll be able to do good. Um, I I trust Mike Elias. Um, they've already got the promo shirts with WWE. I think their WWE's coming to Baltimore soon. And they've got T-shirts saying "We walk with Elias" and it's Mike Elias instead of, and then the wrestlers on there too, um, which is kind of funny. But that's <laughs> <laughs> Dave, your Reds just happen to be victim of. Uh, I mean, the Orioles have a top-heavy division. Three of the teams in that division are really, really good. We're going to be bad no matter what division we play in. But the Reds, I feel like if they were in a different division might be in a wild card race. Yeah, I mean we are a victim of a, a good division there. It's crazy that the pitching has been like top three or five in the league or whatever it is the whole year. Uh and we're still in last place. But we're burdened with five hundred, still not super far back from first, so there's always that hope. Yeah, four and a half out of first. Um I guess, let me ask, Dave, are the Reds going to make the playoffs? If I was a betting man, I would probably say no, just because I can't. We haven't had any injuries <laughs> in our pitching staff. And you, you don't think that's going to hold Not up? Going <laughs> and if we, if, we get, if we lose one or two, I don't think we're you know, that deep. 
Uh, we still haven't had Alex Wood all year, so I mean, there's that. But um, yeah, it's tough to to leapfrog those other teams in the division. Well, one of the teams you would be battling with in the wild card, um, Chris's Nats have surged, winning eight of their last ten to get into second in the NL East. Uh, if the season ended today, they would be one of the wild card teams. I believe the Phillies are also in right now. They are. The Phillies is gross. The Nats isn't great. Um, the Phillies are gross. Uh, John, no offense. I know you're a Phillies fan, but <laughs> I just I can't root for that city. Uh, I can't root for those those players. And I do love the watching. The city smells bad. Well, there you go. I've never been, so I can't say. But Brad, Brad has been. Um, but I. I also will say this before we go ahead and close out this episode. I think it's hilarious that Bryce Harper is all over the all-star game stuff and he is not in the all-star game. Or he shouldn't be. He hasn't had that good of a season. (laughs) And we are here with coach George Loss, assistant coach and pitching coach for the Harrisonburg Turks. Coach, you guys come into, we're doing this interview on Tuesday night. You guys come into the night tied for that final playoff spot with Stanton. And really, you, Stanton, and Covington are all in a log jam there. Talk about, you know, just the exciting season and the exciting playoff push you guys have coming down the last two weeks or so of the season. First off, I appreciate everything you guys do, man. I always look forward to listening to your podcast and love the debates and I know you're a big fan of Chris Davis, and you're still rooting for him to get going. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know the South. The South is a, uh, you know, Waynesboro is playing some good ball right now. They got some good arms, and they're really hitting the baseball. They're scoring almost over ten runs a game, and when you can do that with runners in scoring position, it gives you an opportunity to, you know, pick up some more W's. Uh, there's a couple games this season where we let maybe slip away from us just because we didn't take advantage of the opportunities we had, and it created a it's it's created a nice survival of the fittest uh, it's going to be a race all the way to the end and you know we're only so many games behind charlottesville so uh that's that whole pack of covington stanton and us so uh, you know it's just going to be interesting to see who's going to keep their players in town and who's going to be able to you know grind it to the uh to the end i guess you could say well you know you're the pitching coach um i brad and i got to watch jacob ferris pitch uh, i believe it was one of the nights of the double headers against front royal that he made an appearance uh, and he was lights out in that game. I know he's been lights out most of this year. Talk about what it's been like to work with a kid like that. Well, you know, there's, there's a couple guys that we get top end of the line starters. And when we get a chance to work with them, we know that they're on innings limits and that's what happened uh, with him. You know, the players only get to throw so many innings and we try to space it out the best we can. But as you saw, he, he was one of our best pitchers, if not one of the best pitchers in the league. He led the um, Valley league in ERA for almost five weeks. And um, you know, you got a guy like that that understands what he wants to do, what he's here for in the summertime. And uh, he wanted to work on some mechanics and changing speed and hitting his locations. And when you have guys that aren't just throwers, the guys that are the next pitchers to be drafted in the next draft coming up, it's a lot of fun because you get to see the passion and the hard work they put in behind the scenes. And everybody gets to see them out on the mound, but they don't always see the work they put in to, to get to where they're having success. You talk about innings limits and what you have to work with given uh, the college coaches and what they want to see from their players when they're down in the Valley or any summer league. Uh, These rainouts are really piling up. Talk about the stress that puts on a coach like you and Coach Weiss trying to figure out how to get 
you know, the pitching aspect especially, because that's where you see most of the limits on the guys, how you can use them. What kind of stress that puts on you guys already having a hard job trying to figure that out at the beginning of the year, but now you got double headers jammed together and just trying to get as many games in as you can. Well, you know, they always say there's 26 letters in the alphabet, so you have plan A, plan B, plan C. I think we're on plan R right now. Uh, it's just in all fairness. You know, Bob's done a great job uh, going out and getting these guys to bring in. Uh, he's brought in some good talent, and it's just our job to try to make sure. That, that's one of the things that's been different, you know, not being a head coach. Uh, this is the second year not being a head coach, but in the aspect of it, I still get to manage the, the pitching situation, and uh, Bob's given me a great opportunity to sit through, and we have to figure it out. You know, it's not just something where we, we go into the game and say, well, we're going to roll the dice and see what happens, especially with this many games in a row. You have to plan it out ahead. And uh, you always like to see plan A happen, but, you know, sometimes you end up on, on plan E just for that game. And you have to be able to adapt, but you have to do it smartly because, you know, there are only so many so many arms left on the teams when you're trying to play that many games. and You only get so many pitches because of the pitch count limits. But um, we've done a great job of making sure that we've never had to go over. Uh, we've done a great job making sure that no player was really put at risk. So uh, the main object, like you said, they get a full tank of gas and then, they get a chance to go back home and, and make an impact in the fall. Well, Coach Loss, your pitching staff as a unit has been one of the best in the league. You're third in ERA. You're second in shutouts to Justice Strasburg by one, uh, and that's because they had a combined no-hitter the other night. Uh, yeah, that was their second combined no-hitter of the year. Yeah, so your your opponent batting average is second in the league as well. Uh, the whip, second in the league by .01. Um, and again, as you mentioned, that's a team that's done two combined no hitters already. And your staff yes. is 0.01 behind and whip. Uh, wow. Uh, first off, congratulations on a great job so far. I know there's still some season to go, but that's pretty impressive. And uh, I guess I just want to ask, you You know, we talked about Ferris already, but who are some other pitchers that have really impressed you this summer? Well, the first thing we got to point out is the staff. Uh, I've got Luke Scherzer on board. who pitched in the Valley League a couple of years and he was pitching at Virginia Tech. And he's done a great job coming in. He's trying to start his coaching career. Um, he's he's my assistant. And we sit down and we plan out, uh, you know, I hate to go into the age of sabermetrics because baseball is always <laughs> going to be baseball. But when you get a chance to look up sheets, uh, spreadsheets, hit charts, you know, you try to play to the strengths and you, you write down what you how you attack a hitter or who do we want to face in a situation. Is it more advantage, uh, advantageous for us to pitch against the lefty-on-lefty matchup? Um, do we want to let Andrew check have a swing at us? You know, it's one of those things to where you, you look to the matchups and we do a good job day in, day out of being prepped a couple days ahead. And, and we position our players and our pitchers, you know, ahead of time. We don't just let them go in blindly. Uh, we try to have an attack plan each time that we're playing somebody, um, different fields, you have to pitch different ways. And we've done a good job as a staff of just location, 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 but also changing speeds. Uh, we've got some guys that have really developed their sliders and uh, and two-theme action, like a cutter um, as well. And, you know, when those guys want to put the work in, it, it's really fun to watch. And then we got Daryl Irvin, uh, who played, you know, with the Red Sox for a while. And he's a local guy that's really worked with some of them mechanically. He's only there so many times uh, because of where he works. But when he gets a chance to be there, we've got three guys that we're able to give individual attention and that's what a lot of these pitchers are coming in. They're very raw, maybe not as many innings for some of these backup guys, relievers, and we get a chance to find their skills up, and, and they're really taking off. Uh, a guy that really took off, hadn't thrown much at UNC Charlotte the last two years, was Eli Ellington, 
And I mean, he's, he's just phenomenal right now with strikeouts and, and his walk ratio. And he set the pitch on Thursday. Uh, he's a guy that's going to go to Gulf Coast Community College. Uh, he's, he's withdrawn from UNC Charlotte. He's going there. Um, we've got uh, Will Bryan, who was a reliever and a couple spot starts at Eastern Kentucky. Teammate of Jacob Ferris. He's doing a great job. Uh, Jacob Edwards, who was at UNC Asheville, um, he had some starts. He started against Tennessee this year, even during the regular season. And, you know, we've got a couple guys can really run the ball up there on velocity with Alex Hopp. Um, uh, Hoppy from UNC Greensboro. I mean, he's, he's been 93-94. So we've got a couple guys that really stepped up. Rafe Schindler's back for us. He had a nice summer last year, was in the top 10 prospects. And, um, you know, he's trying to come back, work to be a starter at Nunez Community College down in Louisiana. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys are really putting their time and work in. And it's, it's fun to see them grow as pitchers. Uh, not just having the skill and ability to, but just their knowledge of learning how to pitch the wood bat. Coach, you mentioned that this is your second year, not as a head coach. You were a head coach in Stanton, and there's still a ton of support there in Stanton. Talk about what that is like for you when the Turks make the trip back to Stanton to see all the love and support from the fans there. Well, you know, it's not just when we go back to Stanton anymore. A lot of my uh, my friends and family, they're, they're starting to migrate north to Harrisonburg. So they're trading uh, Royal Blue in for Navy Blue. And uh, it means a lot to see, you know, you always talk about your little, little people and not buildings. And, and uh, you know, the Stanton Braves, we had a great time, a great run. Uh, we put a lot of effort in the community because we lived there. We didn't just show up three months out of the year and, and try to make an impact in the community. We, we did it year long. Uh, Kay and Boyce Snyder did a great job of making sure that there was year-round events. Steve Cox, who's the GM, I don't want to tell you, there's, I don't think there's anybody who works harder than Steve Cox does. Uh, except for maybe Bob. Bob Weiss does a good job up in Harrisonburg, but Steve Cox is a GM, and he's always on the road watching the games. Uh, he, you know, he runs the radio sometimes. He'll he'll do the stat sheets. You know, I miss guys like that. I miss my the loyal fans that would set their uh, chairs up, you know, at noon, giving us a little bit of advice on how we should hit the ball <laughs> better. And you know, you miss the Fourth of July parade. That's always a highlight. But uh, you know, there's a lot of things that. You'd like to see that could have been, should have been, but everything happens for a reason. And, and Tyree's got his chance now down there, and he's a good young coach. And you'd like to, to wish Garland and Lance some success, but we, you know, we always want to try to be one game ahead of them in the stand. Oh, sure, sure. Well, Coach, we'll get you out of here. We've already asked you your Disney movie and Guilty Pleasure songs. <laughs> I know you're a big WWE guy. Um, so oh, I got absolutely. Two WWE related questions for you. Um, we'll go ahead and go with the first one here which is who is your favorite all-time wrestler my my favorite all-time wrestler will always be stone cold steve austin just because you know he's anti-establishment he went in there he walked into the room he dominated and uh it was just fun seeing him you know some of the gestures were pg-13 a little bit with what he did <laughs> but he would open up a can of you know what and, and he wasn't afraid to you know just do it his way um but I would have to tell you a funny story real quick. With, with uh, Mr. Perfect was a close second because we were at a wrestling show when I was a kid. My dad said, hey, you want to take somebody to the wrestling show, one of your baseball teammates? I was like nine. And uh, before he knew it, we had eight guys packed up in a little car, and we were going over. And uh, Mr. Perfect used to spit his gum out and slap it, and he did it to the crowd. And one of my friends told him, he's like, you're terrible. And Mr. Perfect <laughs> acted like he was going to climb into the crowd after us, and that guy – I don't think he's come out of the bathroom stall. He ran in there and hid there maybe for 20 years. 
but it's i mean it's a lot of fun we know it's we know it's fake we know it's you know scripted and everything like that but the uh the memories that we have just watching the soap operas unfold and some of the different characters really made a lot of fun yeah well speaking of the soap opera and i agree I used to watch it a lot more when I was in high school and college and, you know, had time to devote to that and how life gets in the way. But um, as a person who hasn't watched since the days of CM Punk leaving, uh, <laughs> what would you say are, what am I missing right now? Well, I'll tell you, AEW is pretty hot. That's a new startup business that's going to be coming in, I think, in uh, sometime in the fall. They're going to be on TNT again. They're not necessarily going to be Monday Night Wars, but it's going to be two competitions, uh, you know, iron sharpens iron. We talk about that in any sport. And, you know, it's, it's kind of silly because people are going to be like, you know, what are you talking about wrestling for? Well, you know, it's just like, you know, if it's something that can be a good product that doesn't get stale and it actually creates interest and there's a storyline, um, you know, like Cody Rhodes from the famous Dusty Rhodes family, uh, he's one of the main uh like the pillars of this new startup community. And I look for them to jump off because they're, they're getting a couple of people that are unhappy with their jobs at WWE. Um, they're getting a chance to really push forward with a new product. And some of the best wrestlers, like the young bucks are a great tag team and Kenny Omega might be one of the top wrestlers in the world, but you know, people are going to hear about these names coming forward and WWE is starting to take notice that saying, Hey, we got to step it up. So they brought Paul Heyman back into a creative control position and he's going to be with the Monday night team. And then uh, SmackDown, if you're familiar with the second show, they're going to be right. pushing the Fox. And they're actually, Vince McMahon's going to hire Eric Bischoff to, to start heading that unit. So look for a couple familiar names, I think, to pop forward. Like uh, Undertaker's come back a little bit, Goldberg, um, Stone Cold, The Rock. They're supposed to be making appearances because they're going to start launching on Fox. And they got to get the stock status up because their viewing ratings have been below $3 million for a while. And back in the heyday, it used to be not even anywhere close to 3.5. So I just, I always enjoy it because just like anything else, you know, if, if it's something that brings good memories, like baseball, I'll always love baseball, but oh, yeah. wrestling is just this comedy to me for that. If it's done well and people take pride in how they perform and it's just like any other job, uh, you know, there's going to be some success, hopefully for, for, especially with this new startup business, because it's only going to make the, 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 I guess the wrestling scene better. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think, you know, that was one of the reasons I left when I did from watching WWE 1, Life Got in the Way, and 2. I was just like, all right, it seems like they're just bringing back old guys because they don't have any ideas for new guys, and they don't know how to use them, and it's just terrible, and uh, it got stale. But I agree with you. I think competition is what makes wrestling good because then they have to make other decisions, and they have to improve their product. They can't just do whatever and say, whatever, the fans, uh, this is we're the only game in town. Um, but that's a, that's a great point on your, your aspect. And again, I, I agree with you. I know a lot of people are like, Oh my gosh, wrestling, but you know what? It's, it's no different than a lot of the night, the nighttime dramas or, you know, daytime soap operas that people watch. And some people like stranger things. Some people like Riverdale. Some people <laughs> get into, you know, the Lord of the Rings and some people get into game of Thrones. You know, it's just what you can relate to. That's the best part about, you know, America, like the Team USA Soccer Women's World Cup. Oh, yeah. yeah, some people are going to be upset with the way they behave, but they're still our representatives, and they have a bigger platform because we give that to them to, uh, you know, showcase what they need. And, and you know, we'll go into that real quick, just equal pay. I think it's absurd that they didn't get an opportunity to have the same time. Their ratings outdrew the Men's World Cup. 
and that was that was insane. Uh, and you talk about markability, um, just there's different characters, different strokes for different folks. There's something if you can relate to it, like this train that's going by right now. If you can <laughs> get on the train and and hop on it while it's just growing instead of waiting until it gets hot, you're going to feel better about yourself. That's a great point, Coach Lawson. I, I you know my thing with that has always been if they can market themselves as well and make as much money as the men, well, they've outmade the men uh, the last cycle uh, from women's world cup to this women's world cup. They outmade the men. Uh, so in my opinion, it gets pretty hard to justify not paying them more. In my opinion, I've, I've always thought one, I don't understand why the men and women have separate CBAs. I thought that was a little weird, but um that, to me, it's one soccer federation is what they try to pitch. So why yeah, do you that's, have that's, two CBAs? That's what you got to. You have to do that if you want. You know, we're we're fortunate that the United States invests a lot of money in their training uh, and getting them ready, and that's why we're more advanced maybe than some of these other countries. But as as you've seen, you know that if you put the money into a product, it will make you know good things will happen. Uh, it'll make results. You'll you'll see uh, championships be held and. A lot of people sometimes, like, I remember Lexi Lalas growing up mm-hmm. as a kid, and, and you never know, like, you may have a son or may have a daughter that you don't know what they're going to want to do as they grow up, and, and you give them an opportunity to see all the different things, and maybe they like tennis with Coco, you know, or, or maybe right. they like uh, the golf with Tiger coming back, you know, a little bit of nostalgia. There's nothing wrong with enjoying other people's successes and and not taking it so personal, you know, this is what made us a great country because remember when 9-11 happened and I'm getting philosophical on the, on the soapbox a little bit here, no, that's fine. but when 9-11 happened, it brought everybody together and there's, there's no problems with showing our patriotism and, and we tolerated each other and we loved each other. And, and we get a chance to do that on every, every four years for the world cup, everybody gets behind them. Uh, but you know, just like when you have the Lakers going on here, everybody wants super teams but you're going to have the super villain. Somebody's going to step out and be that person that uh, isn't going to always be liked uh, just because they're doing the things they're doing to have a success. And, and I think that's what makes the world great. You know, you get a chance to either like somebody or not like somebody, but just don't take it personal, you know, just like Chris Davis, just because he's signed until yeah. what, 2035. Can't take <laughs> yeah. it personal. Can't take it personal. It's going to be horrible, but yeah. No, I'm not taking it personally. I'm just upset about it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's hey, a- just put it this way. Put it this way. You could be uh, celebrating Happy Bobby Bonilla Day. Right? Uh, but Our we, get, yeah, that's the good news. I mean, the Orioles were only two years longer than Bobby Bonilla. That contract was signed like <laughs> 20 years after. So, <laughs> but thanks again, Coach Loss, for joining us. Uh, I soup, I really do appreciate it. Uh, I know you're getting ready to coach a game here, so I'll go ahead and let you do that. But uh, thanks for joining us on 40 Sports. That's no problem. Thank you very much. And again, we'd like to thank. Coach Loss for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, he's uh, such a great dude. I uh, love talking to him. Uh, he is definitely uh, one of those when we finally have get together all of our interviews and listen to him again, uh, he will definitely be one of the inductees into the 4D Hall of Fame for sure. No doubt about that. Uh, and once again, thanks to him for taking the time right before a game to talk to us too. Uh, what a what a true great guy that is. Um Please make sure you like 4D Sports on Facebook. Share the episodes on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at 4D underscore sports. Retweet the episodes. Comment on Facebook and Twitter. Tell us what you like, don't like. Uh, Tell us your thoughts 
on wrestling. Uh, you got a lot of wrestling talk. If you're into wrestling there, you got some, you know, talk about uh, the women's national team. Tell us about that. Uh, and then also make sure that you subscribe. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify. You can subscribe on there. You can also subscribe on the Podbean app. We are hosted on podbean.com. That's the link. If you go on Twitter or Facebook uh, and click on the link there, that takes you to podbean.com. But they also have an app where you can subscribe to the podcast as well so you can listen on the go. However you listen, we appreciate it. Thanks, and again, until next week, enjoy the Valley Baseball League.